This is the Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Are you struggling to find success betting sports? Tired of empty promises and scams handicapping services? Wondering why Vegas sports books become richer and richer and how you could win on sports too? This podcast is what the sports investing industry truly needs an insider look into proven successful strategies. Z Code Podcast is your crash course in sports investing that destroys popular misconceptions and provides invaluable sports prediction analysis tools that you can download for free. We outline insider winning systems from experts that make a living through sports investing and explain how you can do it too. Armed with the best tools in the industry and a proper mindset, sustaining profits is easier than ever before. Welcome to Z Code Podcast. Hey guys, it's Scott again, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Z Code Sports Investing Podcast. And Z Code is really getting into rugby. I mean, wow. I think not only Z Code, but everybody's kind of getting into rugby. And I know here in the U.S., the sport hasn't been very popular, but it definitely is gaining popularity. In fact, even the amount of videos that I'm watching on YouTube (laughs) about rugby, um, I may not be watching the full games yet, but I'm definitely watching some of the rituals and some of the highlights and definitely some of the fights. (laughs) It's a very exciting game for sure. I'd like to know a lot more about it, and I think that's kind of becoming a common theme for us on uh, this side of the pond. So mostly because the excitement, I think, uh, in the Zico community, of course, is because there's being some big profits obtained. And that is thanks to a lot of the great experts like Paul and Craig and Snork. And recently, even today, our guest, uh, who was a college rugby player himself and a premiership rugby expert, Peter. Peter, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. If you wouldn't mind, just as a way of starting, kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you're doing. Uh, Sure. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. Um, So my name's Peter. I've probably picked up from the accent already that I'm English. I uh, grew up in West London um, with a bit of Irish heritage in the family. So uh, my team over here in the Premiership is London Irish. I've followed them for a long time. Um, But as you mentioned, I started playing uh, rugby just when I was kind of young high school, about 12, 13, carried it through and uh, played for my university up in Bradford, uh, up there, and then um, carried it down into the postgraduate university I, I went to at Cranfield and was the captain of the team down there. Uh, then in kind of recent years, as I've got relatively older, kind of getting out and uh, just... Um, the kind of cold, wet training nights were getting a bit too much for me, two, three times a week. And then the, the games on the weekends, just taking a lot more time to recover from. So I kind of stopped playing so much now and uh, and go and take the opportunity to go and see London Arsh a bit more. Sure. And your accent didn't give you away. I would have guessed you from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were a captain uh, on the rugby team and played college. So what are you doing, or I guess how do you really take that knowledge and translate it into this new arena of sports investing? Sure. So um, I, th- I think one of the uh, the unique things maybe about rugby, especially when you're following the English Premiership, is just kind of, well, I mean, from the NFL, you'll know just how short the season can be when you've got a really physical sport. They tend to keep the season short. Uh, sure. It's only 22 games in the Premiership here, but... um. 
but also we only have 12 teams so uh, you know you play each team home and away to make your 22 games but it means that on any given weekend there's only uh, six games on so uh, there's normally a game on a Friday night I get in from work and kind of crack open a couple of beers and watch a game on a Friday night and then normally at one of the London Arch games and then I'll pick up one more maybe two over the weekend as well so over here, the um, the coverage is pretty good, and they record the games. You can access them online all week. So a lot of weeks, I'll just I'll watch every single game uh, that's played in the Premiership because only being six games, it's quite easy to do. So my kind of investing style, I, I really uh, I don't use stats very much up front, but I just you know because I watch pretty much every team every week, I just get a really good feel for how teams are gelling, especially, you know, how much injuries are affecting teams. You can see in the uh, in the body language sometimes if a poor team's playing against a good team, if they're fighting till the end and then they're playing weaker opposition the week coming up, you kind of have a good feeling that there's some spirit there. If you see teams starting to drop their heads a bit or you see key partnerships around the pitch that aren't working, then you can kind of get a bit more of a feel from that and then that feeds into how I kind of read the lines going into the following week. Okay, so with that limited amount of games, it's kind of easy to gather your facts and really hone in the information that you have. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. It's it's very easy then to kind of watch a lot of the games and to uh, to kind of uh, get a lot of notes going. But then I think the danger is that there's you can't really rely on statistics that much because you just haven't got the amount of games. If you think about maybe sitting out two or three weeks of an MLB season before at mm-hmm. the start just to get a read on teams, and that's probably 20 games that you can get to get a data set together. If you wait that long in rugby, the season's already over with 20 games. Yeah. So um, with the amount of uh, changes that happen in the off-season, the amount of injuries you get with a contact sport, um, I find statistics can be you know, sometimes a bit misleading. A team like Leicester this year, traditional powerhouses always at the top and they lost a couple of key guys over the uh, summer and then they've had a few injuries and suddenly they're in the middle of the table but uh, if you're going to go in statistics you'd, you'd have them winning most of the games and you've just got to be a bit careful about that I think with rugby. That's a great point. Um, how did you make that transition from actually being a rugby player into sports investment? I mean, how did you get started in this career? Um, it, I must admit, it's been through Z code, really. So, I mean, it's something that having, well, even during playing, I used to watch a lot of the games and I used to um, enjoy a lot of the professional games. Then a couple of years, I haven't been playing rugby regularly. I've been watching even more of it. But it's really not a big investing sport, even in the UK anymore. People bet a lot on the football um, and then horse racing is big here. But uh, rugby really, just even for the kind of diehard fans like myself, just not many people really invest in it or, or, or bet on it. So I've only found kind of, uh, I've bet a bit on other sports before, but it's really getting into the Z code uh, family and just seeing how people kind of operate in that and getting, drawing some inspiration from guys like Kiwi Paul, especially. He's been a you know, a big support, and uh, and that's just really got me thinking about it. And I think it's, it, I think that's one of the reasons why the profits are there. And guys like Paul and hopefully myself are making some good profits. Is just there's not much betting going on on it, and so it's it's there's some lines that come out that are just really juicy. And if you start kind of thinking about it and and applying an investment mindset to it, then there's really um some good lines and uh, some 
good untapped markets there to be had because it's just not a very mature sport for the investment side. Okay. And you said, you know, Z code has, has kind of been the introduction for you. And I've noticed that you're expanding your investment options. You're sharing a lot of knowledge and a lot of your experience. I mean, here you are doing this podcast now. And would you also credit that to kind of the Z code philosophy and experience that's helping you kind of open up and become that guy that's sharing all this knowledge and experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it's really a, just a great place to to both gain knowledge from from other people. So even if it's different sports, you just get a better idea of how people approach their investment. Um, some people, you know, will, will really be heavily stats based. Some people will look at trends. Some people will get feels. And and I think probably the most important thing, kind of learning from the from the Z code, is uh, is the kind of bankroll management and the money management side of it, and just uh, that's been probably the hardest transition from just knowing a lot about rugby to investing is just knowing how to assign confidence to plays and then turn that into how many units you put in, what markets you play. Um, and so it's great to pick up that knowledge from other people, but then you also, it's such a supportive community. I really felt um, you can you can kind of put your picks, put your comments out there and get feedback and that just helps you a lot more knowing that you can put your comments and your feedback out there uh, and it's going to be going into a supportive and kind of a um, constructive environment is really useful. Yeah, absolutely. And you said that in rugby now that there's some juicy opportunities, I think is how you worded it. So help me and the listeners kind of understand uh, some new things maybe for us. So for instance, um, is there a key player that I should be looking at uh, and kind of choosing a team? You know, in hockey, we definitely look at the goalie. Um, in baseball, we look at the picture, uh, pitcher. In football, we're going to look at the – or in American football, NFL, we're going to look at the quarterback. Is there a big player, and what are the other important factors that you use when choosing a team? Yeah, so I think you're right, and if you're going to compare it really to any American sport, it would be American football, not just the contact side, but the way the players break down. So you um, you can roughly split a rugby team in half, uh, and it makes it quite useful because uh, a bit like American football, the numbering really helps you out. But in rugby, it's to the case that every single number assigns to a direct position on the pitch. So the number one is going to be a, a player called the loose head prop on every single team that goes out. To, you know, on their starting lineup, and so what you find is that your numbers one to eight, what you call your forwards, and they're your kind of really big, strong guys. Maybe not as mobile, but you know, maybe comparing that to your linemen, kind of your big, strong movers, and, and maybe kind of more your tight ends and the, the guys that you really look to to overpower teams and make big tackles and the impact tackles and uh, and your kind of um, and your power running more though. And then probably the key position is your number 10, which is the cool, well, it gets different names over here. It's the uh, fly half. You might hear Paul or Snorker people call him the uh, first five eighths, but that's really your quarterback type position. He's kind of the guy who's going to get the ball from the hard work your forwards do and transition it into your back. So you're kind of flare players. They're the ones with the speed and the footwork and the handling, and they're the ones you look to to score a lot of your tries. So the fly half is there to kind of get those guys working, but he'll also do a lot of the kicking uh, tactically, uh, so trying to kick downfield and get more territory. Um, and then increasingly now, I mean, you don't have to have that as your nominated kicker at goal. 
you can pick whoever you want from the team, but almost invariably on on teams throughout the world now, your fly half is the guy who's got the skill to kick at goal and kick your your points from kind of your penalties, which is a bit like your field goals or three pointers. So um, he's the kind of key position, both in order to see how many tries your team will score because he's the one who'll let the back line go but also for the amount of points you'll be able to grind out from kicking at goal if he's a good goal kicker then you, you know you've got more options there as well okay interesting now you know if we play sports or we play a sport we're obviously pretty passionate about it i'm very passionate about the mixed martial arts sport that is growing in popularity. And so it's real easy for me to talk to other guys. And even if you're not a fan, I can kind of get you excited and I can break it down for you and kind of explain how they're, why they're such great athletes. Uh, they have the footwork of a fencer and the hands of a boxer and the kicks of a tie boxer and the, you know, the et cetera, et cetera, and how it's a game of chess. So, and, and I get you real pumped up about it. So for the other Z coders who might be listening, how would you promote rugby to them, and what makes you feel so passionate about it that they should really kind of understand or wrap their brain around? Sure. Well, um, I think for me, the intensity of the game is what I really enjoy about it. Um, I enjoy a lot of the American sports as well. You probably can tell I've watched a lot of NFL in my time as well, uh, and I enjoy the baseball and the hockey as well. But uh, And obviously, growing up over here, the, the kind of football, the soccer, it, it has always been in my my blood to a certain extent but I think what I really enjoy about rugby is that pretty much every minute of the game there's something going on so uh, whether it's the backs have got the ball and they're flinging it around and it's exciting to watch but even when they get tackled the game doesn't stop there then you get the forwards come in and compete to keep that ball and keep going so basically every single um Every single repetition, when the, when the ball comes out, you get the tackle, but after the tackle, you get the breakdown, which is when, if you're tackled and you're put on the floor, you have to let go of the ball. And so you normally try and let that back towards your own team, but the other team have every right to come in there and try and get it. So it's not like anything stops and resets, or you have some time, like in soccer, where they're just passing about in the defence, and it's a, there's a bit of a lull in the game. You've got to be 100% locked in every second that you're on the pitch. And then there, there's so much variety in it as well, I think. He said you've got these guys who, who are your props, who are kind of normally quite short, maybe only 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but they're um, about, I don't know, 15, 16 stone, you know, just some kind of really short, big guys. And then you get your second rows who are, can be up to 6'7". There's a guy playing in Leinster over the weekend who's 6'7". And then your little scrum half, who kind of feeds your fly half. He's this kind of tiny little guy who you would think had no place in professional sports at all. Um, you have the fast guys, strong guys, skillful guys, guys who pass with their hands, guys who are good with their feet. There's just so much variety in the players and in the play that you can kind of express yourself in. I just think it makes it really interesting to watch because there's always a battle, always a match-up that's worth keeping your eye on. Yeah, I do like that. I like how you position that. Now, I know you said that... that this is a very uh, tough type of sport on the body and that injuries can happen and change uh, a direction of a team very quickly. So I'm not asking you for a full season prediction, but let's just kind of get an overview of this season, if you wouldn't mind, going into which teams do you think are looking strong? Yeah, so I mean, I, th I think it's, it can sometimes be misleading at the beginning of the season as well because 
what happens over here is that the weather can play a massive part in the season. So we talked about it, you know, having a back line that likes to run and you have your quick guys there. But when it rains a lot over here, which it can do from time to time in England, then the pitches can get pretty uh, soggy and rugby's a hard sport on the turf itself. And so um, with the, the amount of handling with the ball you have to do, it gets slippy. So you can have some teams that look good at the beginning of the season, and then when the pitches get a bit soggy and the ball's a bit wet and you need to rely on those forwards, that power a bit more, they can kind of fade off. So I think you see Northampton at the top at the moment. Uh, and I think they will be strong. They'll be there or thereabouts at the end. But they lost a lot of uh, big guys in what we call the engine room, you know, in those forwards. Uh, and they've got a, a few really injury-prone guys there as well. So... I'm going to be a bit cautious about them going into the colder weather. Saracens are going to be strong, I think, for two reasons. Firstly, that they uh, they have that strong pack. They also have a, a fly half who's much better at kind of controlling the game rather than just kind of running and attacking flat out. If the conditions can't play to that, he's, he's better at changing up. He's the England starting international, so he's got that experience. Uh, and also, interestingly, they changed to... a. Uh, a 4G artificial pitch last season, which I think is going to have a huge impact on the game in in England and Europe in general because um, one of the criticisms of English and European rugby compared to the Southern Hemisphere, the Australian and uh, New Zealand rugby, you'll hear Paul and the others bang on about a lot, is that because of this weather, we tend to have quite a pragmatic uh, game that focuses around kicking and focuses around the forwards, whereas the most entertaining rugby comes from the backs and what tends to happen when Northern Hemisphere teams play Southern Hemisphere teams, a more attractive running rugby of the Southern Hemisphere wins out. So a lot more teams are trying to switch to that type of play. Hmm. And Saracens kind of thought, I think, to, to counter this, they've gone for this uh, artificial pitch. So in the three, they, they brought it in last year. In the three years prior to that, they averaged a try and a half in each of the three seasons per game. They changed to uh, this artificial pitch last year and they suddenly averaged three tries a game, which is, you know, a doubling in, in just that one year. And then again this year, early on, they're averaging three tries a game as well. So I think just having that quicker, harder, faster pitch to play on, uh, less mud getting on the ball, less moisture getting on the ball. They're a team that not only have the forwards to get through the winter, but I think they have conditions that are kind of unique and they'll be looking to kind of even play that expansive rugby all the way through. So for me, they'll be a strong team. Exeter have started well. They had a blip last year, but before that, they've really been gaining year on year uh, and, uh, and they look like they're back up there this year. And then just below them, Bath are another team that love this out-and-out attacking rugby and they've got good results so far, but um, they've, they've had a couple of blips on the on the radar so far and I'm just a bit worried about them again trying to force the issue too much maybe in the colder weather. So I think Southampton and Exeter, for me, I think you know they'll be ones who consistently go through the season. Northampton and Bath will see how they go in the winter, but then you'd expect them to pick up again uh, around February, March time when the pitches get harder do you have any predictions for the upcoming european rugby championships cup oh i see that's a difficult one because um it's always difficult i think to to judge where teams are uh when they're playing in domestic leagues and i got caught out a bit with my pick on glasgow this uh weekend where they went and really put uh, a lot of points on bath and i thought bath would look really good this year and Glasgow have been good, but they play in a really weak domestic competition. They play against other teams 
from Scotland, Wales and Ireland, but there's very little money in those leagues at the moment. So the teams, all of the best players from those countries have gone to England and gone to France to play their club rugby because they're following the money. And there's some uh, quite weak club sides there. But Glasgow showed that although, you know, they're beating up on the on the weak teams, they can also beat up on the big teams. So I'm a bit cautious about how to judge a new European Cup, but you'd certainly think that Toulon and Clermont, the sides from... Uh, France that just have so much money. Um, in England, we have the next richest clubs, or we have a salary cap. France don't even have a salary cap, so lots of guys can go over there and just get paid what they want. Whereas um, in England, they can't. So I'd say Toulon would be out and out my my favourite for the to win that cup. Um, and then Clermont will be right up there again. It'd be nice to see Saracens. Uh, maybe even Northampton, if they can get through the group stage, knockout stages all happen in March and April time. So that will suit them in terms of the weather and the style they'll want to play. But really, it's hard to look past the uh, the French teams again. Do you have any additional thoughts on the format of the Cup? Uh, I, I, I think it, it's really good um, that they've kind of gone for a... There's two reasons I think it, it worked really nicely. Firstly, they've gone for a shorter, a smaller format, but with, with just higher quality teams. So what you used to get in the group stages is there used to be at least one weaker team in every group, and those games were just kind of write-offs. And it meant that, for instance, if you're playing... it, They always play two games of the European back-to-back, and then you go back to your domestic leagues for a bit. Then you play two games back-to-back in Europe, have the domestic games and then back. And so if you were playing one of these weaker teams on your first week of the European stuff, you could maybe rest a few guys, maybe bring them off early. Whereas the team you might be playing the week after have a tough game. And I've always thought that was a, you know, could skew the results a little. But this year, you know, it's a kind of cliche that there's no easy games. So having the shorter format, the higher quality teams, every team's going to have to go full full tilt every single week and then what they're doing is this Celtic League has said which has always been a bit weaker with the Scottish, Welsh and Irish teams um, it used to be the top uh, I think eight teams in that domestic league just qualified for the um, European Cup regardless the Champions Cup so teams didn't, could rest a lot of players in the domestic league knowing that all of their sides would get into the um, into the Champions Cup whereas this year they restricted them down to six and the qualification methods are a lot stricter. So they have to be take their domestic league more seriously and they can't rest as many players. And so it kind of evens that playing field as well. So I think it's been a really good change. I think it's been one that's been needed for a few years. And so it's definitely welcome. All right. Well, I know that you have definitely piqued my interest and a lot of the listeners' interest, and I'm sure we're going to be sneaking over into your forms of the rugby and checking some tips out. Um, any final words or tips for us who are getting into rugby? Um, yeah, I, I would just say, firstly, um, it, uh, it, it's just a, it's a great sport to try and access. I mean, a bit like um, American football in a way, some of the things can look a bit bizarre at first, just trying to understand the rules, but bear with it and uh, and it kind of pays off because again it can be quite a, a tactical game a cerebral game in terms of where you're positioning players how you manage their kind of fitness and and the position the territory and so um as i said there's lots of guys on the uh z code wall now who are 
super enthusiastic about rugby. It sounds like they haven't had much chance to talk about it before. So we're filling up the wall now. And if you have any questions about the games, just write something on there. You can be guaranteed that someone will answer the question quickly to get into it. But I think it's a game that's really on the up. And obviously with the uh, sevens format, so they have a shorter, almost like a five-size soccer format that's getting into the Olympics in Rio uh, I think it means that rugby as a whole is just going to get a lot more exposure, a lot more interest, and it's kind of people are responding really well to it in many different countries in the world. So it's definitely worth uh, having a look at. And as I said, I don't think the investment community and certainly the sports books have caught up with it at all yet. Because I mean, last week we managed to cash in on a on a play of Newcastle playing against London Welsh, and you just have no idea where they got that line from. And uh, Paul with his New Zealand rugby sometimes he sees teams that are seven eight point underdogs that he thinks are favourites to win and it's just kind of such great investment opportunities because the public aren't there to give the bookmakers a read and because the public money isn't there they're obviously not paying as much attention to it so it's a great sport to get on to watch and I think it's also a great sport to get on to invest at the moment as well. Absolutely. It sounds like the perfect time to get into this sport. Peter, thank you again so much for your time today and all your information, sir. Thank you very much. It's been fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. Cheers. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Remember to go to iTunes and post your comment and topic suggestion for the next episode. We love to hear from you. See you on the next show. Have a fantastic day.